Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is an author and journalist. Her novel, Breaking Point, is out right now. It's getting rave reviews. Adele Coffey, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Um, again, classic Juvenalia, I've never seen this before, for today. Uh, I've completely opened my eyes to something that I thought was a completely different type of film. Please introduce yeah. what, what you're going to talk to us about. Okay, so I was trying to think of something that um, meant a lot to me when I was younger, when I was a teenager, and mm. that has stayed with me a long time. So I know there's lots of stuff that we we like to read and we listen to and we watch when we're teenagers, but it's something that I wanted to think of something that has kind of stayed in my consciousness for uh, right into adulthood. And it's a film that I've watched um, several times over the years because I liked it so much when I first watched it that anytime I've seen it on TV again, I've always been like, oh, it is The Lost Boys. Joel Schumacher's 1987 film about um, vampires in a place called Santa Carla or Santa Clara, depending on um, who you listen to in um, in California. So it's that that's what I chose because it is something that has kind of stayed with me for a long time. It's something that... Um, I really love the vibe of it's mm. and I'm sure we'll get into all of this, how it looks um, all its sort of references in it, how sort of rich it is in a representation of a kind of America that I think is gone. It's very iconic. And at the time, I remember when I was watching it, I didn't watch it in 1987, but I would have watched it when I was like a teenager, maybe around 13 or 14, I think. So quite impressionable and certainly looking for, the kind of adolescent experience that was being shown on this screen where my adolescent adolescent experience at that point was very very dull it couldn't um, be further from the irish adolescent experience yeah. really <laughs> yeah, could it yeah. it's such a fantasy exactly. landscape it's such an alternative world you know exactly and i think that's why you know it connected so much with me as a teenager and also then you've got the extra layer of um of vampire stuff mm. on top of that which was just and again apparently i didn't know this but apparently this was one of the first films that made vampires kind of young and sexy so mm. um it was very sort of it's considered to be very influential in terms of what came after that and yeah i, I find it hard to um imagine another film where vampires were young and cool and sexy before that so yeah even their makeup and their outfits and everything like they ran so Buffy could walk you know exactly Mm. yeah like it's they've so much in common but it's amazing to think that that did in fact that aesthetic that like young kind of dude uh, vampire aesthetic had to start somewhere and it seemingly started right here yeah, and the sort of the dangerous, like mm. they're, they're glamorous, they're dangerous. They're, I mean, I suppose because it's set in the 80s, like they all look like they're in this sort of hair metal band. Oh my yeah. God, the haircuts, yeah. <laughs> the aesthetic. Yeah, Keeper Sutherland has a great little mullet, you know, a great little party mullet. There's a lot of variations on the mullet in the gang, I have to mm. say, and all of them are, you know, unique and interesting in their own way. But yeah, so so they've got all got like jangling earrings and the chains and the leather Very jacket. complicated leather jackets. Very yeah. complicated leather jackets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Imagine trying to get out of one of them. Um, <laughs> there's fun. a point near the end where one of them, they'd say, we killed the one that looks like a hair metal reject. And I was like, 
That's all of them. That's all of them. <laughs> the <laughs> of them. Yeah. All of them. But I suppose there was like a, a more sort of sophisticated categorization or classification of hair metal rejects back in 1987 uh, that yeah. we're yeah. not getting now, you know? Yeah. We're not yeah, privy yeah. to the details. No. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah. That, that guy does have like the big, the big like Sebastian Bach kind of more refined mullet. The kind of blonde, teased kind of, yeah. It's, it's interesting, you know, how how attractive they all are. I think they still are very attractive um, young men. Um, but at the same time... They're so confident is the thing. Mm. Well, they are now. Well, that yeah. would go with the vampire territory, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm trying to think back to when I first um, watched this. Mm. I saw it, you know, again, like I said, childhood was very dull. Um, there wasn't a lot going on. There was... Um, a video shop in our neighborhood that we used to go to like once a week and spend hours choosing a video. Mm-hmm. And there is a video shop in this film as well. Yeah, the video is- shop is so good as well with all the neon mm-hmm. lights. Like it's such a great, it's extra vision. It is not. No, I know. Yeah. And again, it's like all of these things were comparative points in my life. It was like, wow, look at their comic shop. Like, I don't, mm. did we even have Forbidden Planet back then? I don't know. No, but we would have had an Eason somewhere yeah. that had a kind of a particular like section with a couple of X-Men. In yeah. So, so it was just like everything was so cool. And I think actually in American culture, the town they're supposed to be in is meant to be like a, a real sort of nothing, nowhere town. That's it's not Santa cool. Cruz. I think it's Santa Cruz. It is. Yeah, that's where yeah. they filmed it. But um, but yeah, for us, obviously, it was really glamorous and attractive. But yeah, I first saw it in a friend's house. So she was um, the cool friend. And like we would have been around 13. And I'd say her, I know that her parents had her when she, they were like 16. So her parents were like in their 20s yeah. when we were 13. Um, so there's, they there's were cooler videos, cooler music. Oh, yeah. my God. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we used to go to her house all the time and they used to let us hang out there like the parents were really cool. They used to let us watch. It's where I saw Nightmare on Elm Street and didn't sleep for like three weeks. It's where I saw Hellraiser. It's where I saw Nine and a Half Weeks. It's where I saw all <laughs> the films that I wasn't all the top to row, shelf, top shelf of videos. Completely, yeah, yeah. So they were the cool house, and that's where I saw the Lost Boys as well. And I was just like, mm. this is so cool, and I wanted to be like part of that gang. I just wanted to be um, there, and I really just love that there is these. So we should talk about the story, should we? Yeah, we we'll, we'll <laughs> have a sort of a yeah, three act yeah. structure, you know, for for the for 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 listeners who haven't yeah. who haven't seen it. Like a quick little recap. So yeah. you've got these two brothers, uh, Sam and Michael, and Sam is played by Corey Haim. Yeah. Um, and an absolutely gorgeous performance. Oh, he's such a sweetie, mm. isn't he? He's adorable. Such, like elevated Macaulay Culkin, American sweetheart. Yes, completely. You know? And the brothers played by uh, Jason Patrick, who's. I didn't realize oh, so fun. incredibly looks like um, John Travolta. Yeah, a little bit of that mm. about him. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, He's very stunning. sort of He big had no features. choice but to be a movie star. Like, yeah, it's so yeah. true. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what else are you going to be when you look like that? <laughs> that hair. Um, oh, my God. There's just so yeah. much of Beautiful. it. <laughs> so, he should be called Corey. He wrong. should be called. That's a, that's a Corey right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So these two are brothers and they've moved to their granddad's house with their mother, who's played by Diane Wiest. Weast, is that how we pronounce it? Or I West? think so, yeah. Is it advice or what? I can but, never, I know always what? kind of, I always say it differently. And I've seen yeah. her in so many different things. And I, I love her. She's such a yeah. strange actress because she's yeah. always kind of playing a version of 
herself. Yes. She's in Hannah and her sisters. Which she is, had just won the Oscar yeah. for that. When yeah. she the Oscar into Lost Boys. What, like, she not, took like yeah. she's she's brilliant. She's she's uh, like she's such she plays such a horrible bitch in Hannah and her sisters, you know? And she's so um gentle and genuine. Yeah. She's lovely in this. Artist. She's a lovely mother character, mm. you know. So she's their mom and they've moved to their granddad's house and their granddad's kind of like uh, eccentric and he's got all these stuffed animals in his house and um, they've moved in with him from their home in Phoenix after the mom breaks up with the dad. And and so they're just they're kind of exploring the new town. They're trying to find friends. And um, the the older brother played by uh, Jason Patrick, he kind of notices this gorgeous girl called Star and he's kind of attracted to her yeah. and she's surrounded by this group of like bikers who are very cool and also sort of very um, territorial about her. Anyway, Sam is younger. He's like probably around 13 and he's into comics and he goes into this local comic shop where he meets these two brothers who are like the, the actual comic center <laughs> yeah. of the movie um, played by Corey Feldman. And I don't know who the other guy's called, but so good. And they're like kind the, of the brothers are called Edgar and Alan and Alan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like Edgar Allan Poe, Edgar Allan Frog. I know. <laughs> Such great twin yeah. names. Such lo- a lovely set of characters. And yet yeah, there's there's lots yeah. of little little jokes like that in the film, which is really enjoyable. It's really the fun. First time I heard Corey Feldman's voice was when I realised <sighs> this film was not what I had thought about in my head at all. Because all my own experience <laughs> of it was as a poster in the top shelf of the like video shop in the back of the groceries, like like little shop in the corner when I was growing up. And that was, I hadn't told about it since then, pretty much since I saw it. I was like, this is a scary vampire film for teenagers and I'm six. Yeah, yeah. But then when the Corey film was like doing his little tough guy voice. Yeah. I was like, so I completely cool. mis- un- underestimated this film. Yeah. So there are these two guys and they're like, they see this new guy come in and he's dressed in his real cool fashions. This is, um, you know, Sam. And they're like, oh, look at the state of this guy. And they're in their sort of army camouflage gear. And they're kind of the the tough guys and they they start slagging him and then they realize, oh, wait, he actually knows a lot about Superman comics. So we'll 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 be cool to him. And then they give him this vampire comic and they're like, you know, read this. And he's like, oh, I don't like horror. And they're like, you'll like this one. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so they're kind of trying to tell him that, you know, there's something unusual happening in this town and uh, he should inform himself. So um, so. It kind of starts from there and um, the older brother, Michael, gets involved with this crew and they trick him into drinking blood. And um, this is where it goes from. And there's a lot of cultural references. Did you did you get the you're eating worms, Michael, or you're eating maggots, Michael? Yeah, Jesus. Like, I I think that that scene in the cove is when I started really getting into it, you know, because or the abandoned resort. Yeah, and the he didn't need to be tricked into drinking that blood, man. If if you were there, you would have done it, surely. Like, surely, <laughs> if Kiefer Sutherland had handed you a mysterious bottle of that nature in an abandoned uh, pleasure resort on the side of a cliff outside oh, of Santa yeah. Cruz. I mean, who like who's not going to drink it? And the yeah. bottle is like jewel encrusted and ah, <laughs> all it sorts looks of real things. old. But you're like, I don't know. I probably would do it. I don't. I I would have followed them all into hell. Like yeah. absolutely, I'm with Michael on this one. You know? But and also you mentioned Kiefer Sutherland there. The cast is incredible. It's <gasps> it's full of like really young movie stars, and they're all sort of going for it and they're really yeah. w- without being too hammy they're all like giving really good performances and they're they're really just gorgeous to watch I really I really just an, enjoy their performances particularly Kiefer Sutherland oh and he's brilliant he's a he great has like five lines 
in the film. He has the, apparently he has the least dialogue. But he's in so film. central visually, mm. though. Completely. You know, like it kind he of goes back this, to him. From the very first moment he steps on screen, he has this air where things are only happening because he's letting them happen. He yeah. will do what you tell him, but only because he is choosing to do that right now. He will not, if he doesn't want to do it, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And that just radiates off him. Yeah. Nobody, nobody has any kind of power to resist him. He's, he's completely, yeah. yeah, he's completely charismatic as well. Mm. And he's got this intense sort of um, presence and this intense stare. And he, like you say, yeah, he's kind of, he's, he's the guy in charge or so we think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, the vampire thing, I, I think this was kind of my first um, entry point into vampire mm. stuff and vampire fiction. Like, obviously, I'd heard of Dracula uh, and things like that. But this was kind of it was kind of appealing to teenagers. It was really it's got that. It's funny that you mentioned Macaulay Culkin, because I think this is Home Alone with vampires. It, it totally is. Isn't it, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you have the sort of. The, the kids in this sort of, um, okay, we have to save the world kind of situation or we have to mm. save ourselves. And the parents in a kind of, oh, don't be so ridiculous role. Yeah, like, they're you know, fully guys, absent. Yeah. yeah. Like the and granddad it, is off having an affair with like Widow Johnson, who's like <laughs> his gal pal. He's great. He's fantastic throughout. So he's not really engaged, though, you know, he, he knows what's going on, but he's just busy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dan Weiss is um, dating the head of the video store and kind of receiving her post-divorce life, you know, and it's just trying to get yeah. her sons to be nice to each other. So there, there's like this very thin band between the adults and the children. So they might as well be. And the house is great as well. The, the house they move into, the granddad's house, it is full of taxidermy, but it's huge and it's exciting yeah. and the children have a lot of freedom there. So there's definitely it, home alone energy. Yeah. The- it's great that you mentioned that because I think, um, again, one of the really appealing things, uh, one of the most appealing aspects of this as an experience for me as a young watcher was seeing the freedom they had. Like, you know, the BMX bikes and the older guys have the the dirt bikes and, you know, just cycling around this sort of um, resort town. town with yeah. like the amusement park and On the boardwalk. Yeah. Yeah. The transients. Um, and, you know, that opening scene in the film where, you know, we've got the Echo and the Bunnyman track and there's just so many shots of all these um, sort of unusual types doing different things. And it gives you a real sense of the the town you're in. Um, but that that lack of um, monitoring of the kids is just it's so exciting from a young person's perspective it's like god they could just go out and do what they want to do and but even could- star you know like he goes up to star and he's like oh well, your parents hippies too you know because you, you can see exactly the generation of kids these were and in California mm. especially there is a like there's a lot of that like I went to Santa Cruz a couple of times when I lived in San Francisco and it is exactly that it's like this beachside town where people just kind of hang out like in some regards i suppose you could see it as a dead end but for us it was the most exciting place in the world the arcades are enormous and full of lights and there there, it feels all the time like there's something else going on there it just has this lovely mystique because the dead darkness of the ocean like hits this bright glossy dazzling like funfair by the sea and uh, there's something in that I think and they capture that really well visually in this film like it's a visually really lush world 
that is, that would make any young person want to go there because it feels like it has a lot of mystery, you know, like it I has fully, fully agree with you. Um, and that, yeah, that sense of adventure and that sense that anything could happen mm. and that sense of, you know, you're just walking around waiting for something to happen. You know, there's like a sense of we're just patrolling here. We're waiting for the thing to happen. Whatever's going to happen. You know, we know something's going to happen. Mm. And, and that's kind of really interesting too as well because much of your adolescence is kind of spent sort of loitering or waiting around for something to happen and you know most of the time it doesn't but in this film it really does and I really like that but it's interesting you talk about how visually appealing it is because I was wondering I hadn't hadn't seen it in years now and I was wondering when I watched it again oh god is this going to be like really uh dated or like there's pretty much zero special effects yeah. As far as I could tell. Yeah. And also, I think that's a really positive thing because um, it doesn't seem dated to me. Like, obviously, it reminded me of things like E.T. and the Goonies visually. Kids on like, bikes movies. Kids on exactly, bikes movies. Exactly. Kids on bikes movies. That's totally it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just looks gorgeous. And it doesn't feel like you're watching a, a really outdated old movie. It feels like you're watching a sort of classic about adolescence. And, and I think the practical effects and the practical makeup, because there is brilliant vampire makeup later on, which I think were shown in a really interesting way. There's lots of interesting sequences that are quite kind of montage and dramatic. And you might only see a flash of somebody's face with the full set of teeth and the kind of warped skin. Like it's done very elegantly and very barely. Like you don't kind of watch anybody's physical features transform fully into a vampire in CGI like you would I guess at the moment in cinema there's a lot of um, sleight of hand in how we're shown the magic of the world yeah, and the flying and the levitating yeah. oh, the like I'm so glad they never show us the flying yes, like, that, if there was a bad CGI bat somewhere it would ruin oh, the film but it's just, all it. first person is fine Yeah, yeah. but instead yeah. we get things like you know a bat kite lying on the ground mm. at one point and it's just like there's all these little fun references and I really think that it was such a clever move I wonder if it was in like if it was dictated by maybe budget or something back in the day the reason why they didn't show the flying or um you know the, the change in in the visual mm. appearance of them um Most but I think budget. it was so smart yeah. it was so smart because like it the film hasn't dated now because of it like there's no oh my god the state of that cgi it's so bad cgi absolutely yeah. eats magic and practical i talk about this all the time like i mean jesus we barely go two episodes without me going practical effects but like <laughs> practical effects genuinely give a, a, a piece of work especially a piece of work that deals in magic or the strange a sense of immortality hellraiser is a very good example of this hellraiser you know? kept on coming back to when i was watching this yeah, it's like, it has the, enormous it's, it's like Hellraiser the Goonies energy. and Hellraiser, like yes. half and half. Enormous right? Hellraiser energy, it's and really I don't weird. know why. It's like, the guy because he's kind of struggling. He doesn't want to be a vampire, but it's pulling him in. Yeah, and he's like physically degrading because of it. Yeah, uh, Michael for and he hasn't seen it. The older brother becomes a half vampire <laughs> with his little sunglasses, <laughs> if, if like he, moping around. If you know? <laughs> he kills someone, he'll become a full vampire, but he's resisting that, and that's he pulls yeah. in his brother and the frog brothers to help him with that. But it is the same as Hellraiser, where someone's physically degrading or. Well, in Hellraiser is the other way around. He's regenerating, but it's the yeah. same. It's the same I've got a dilemma. Kind of a His dilemma yeah. is like, you know, are you going to sort of serve yourself and kill someone so that you can become stronger? Or are you going to resist that? And again, like, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> to not come back to like the metaphor yeah. um, for sexuality that vampires are always sort of used as. Um but I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's what the metaphor is here. And, and it's interesting that they use Star as kind of a half vampire as well. Like she's not fully gone, you know. So you can kind of roll in kind of 
virginal metaphor around her mm-hmm. like it's it is you know i wouldn't even say it's subtext with a lot of vampire stuff i think at this point culturally like vampire and sexuality is text it's not yes. like <laughs> interpretation <laughs> right there it's right up at the top okay. um but yeah it, and I, I think the this the hellraiser kind of vibe is to do with the architecture and the visual look of it as well for a film about teenagers there's not a lot of light in it like it is like mm. it is gothic visually yeah. you know and Completely. in terms of how it goes it's not without it's not humorless like you know it's not dry oh my god no, there is fun, so much yeah, humor in it like and one of my favorite lines i'd forgotten about was when um when sam like this is the performance of a lifetime by Corey Haim when sam yeah, discovers that uh michael is, he sees him in the mirror and he's like look at your look at your reflection michael you're the undead you're a vampire <laughs> and then he, he runs up the stairs he says stay back he's like wait till mom hears about this <laughs> and it's just kind of like you know your brother's a vampire and all you're thinking is like wait till mom finds out about this and it's yeah. just it's such brilliant dialogue for teenagers and for siblings as well because mm-hmm. you know he's kind of afraid of his brother but also he's still his brother recognizably mm-hmm. so he's kind of just like having that uh very normal banter with his brother which is just like stay back my little mom finds out about this <laughs> i thought the bit of him in the bath was really sweet and really funny when he's the, the, the first time yeah, yeah. the first time michael comes in fucking there's a whole dog mom where i'm like is, what's gonna happen to the dog guys <laughs> like i was so like, worried for that dog the whole there's worry. a lot of yeah. dogs in the movie yeah. there's a lot of dogs yeah. there's some mean dogs it's a very I don't know. I don't think I was as sensitive to this until I got a dog, but I was just like, I'm waiting for somebody to kill this dog, you know? But the first time <laughs> things get a bit dicey on the dog front is when um, the younger brother's in the bath, Corhaim's in the bath, and Michael is like coming in kind of with a hunger for blood and realizes that he wants to drink his brother's blood, you know? And the dog gets involved and intervenes and does not get murdered by Michael. Just yeah, okay, like because yeah. that will take away any anxiety that you have watching yeah. this film. Just heads yeah. up, Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a spoiler. There's lots of Wait. other peril, but the dog makes it. Um, <laughs> and the younger Corey Haim in the bath. He's again, it's that Home Alone parallel. It's just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really sweet. This yeah, is really he's, cute, he's singing along know? to yeah, a song, he's... and he's washing yeah. his hair, and there's like. There's a wasteful amount of bubbles. Oh, so know? many swords. So and much again, swords. like this just goes back to like 80s Ireland for American me. Just, excess. Yeah, yes, I saw that. American <laughs> excess. They had en suites. They had <gasps> bubbles in the bath. And the wardrobe <laughs> yeah. they had for Corey Haim was just mm. his shirts. Beautiful. Astounding shirts. Brilliant patterns. And Dan Weiss's um, wardrobe also astounding like she has a tiny little pixie cut and wears brilliant 80s sweaters and like yeah. um 80s skirts oh she's she, uh, and edward herman oh. shirts as well max yeah yeah in, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it um there's a lot of shoulder Ri- pads. richard Gil- richard gilmore is the male like the adult love interest in this film is that and who spo- that is we'll, we'll do spoilers later but yeah uh yeah that is richard gilmore looking very young looking i think my age yeah, yeah. Which is weird. Everyone's um, very young. Yeah. yeah very young. It's weird finding myself like at a similar age to Diane Weiss, who I always just think of as I know, an older I actor. found myself just looking yeah. at her skin in this girl. Oh, she looks amazing. How old is she? Yeah. How old is she? Great. She's 40 there. Yeah. She's 40. So. Yeah. She looks like 33. So, yeah. wow. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's funny, though. Those scenes. Uh, it reminds me of things like Pretty in Pink, where again yeah. it was like she was she was the poor girl, wasn't she? And yet she had like the pink oh, telephone in her bedroom, mm. and 
yeah. all sorts of amazing excesses that I always remember just being like, America is amazing. American standard for poverty and Irish standard for poverty. I'll tell you when I lived they were there different as well. Then. That is not the same conversation. That is not in terms of the things that you own and the things you have access to. Yeah, and your I, standards. What I got caught by surprise, like, I'm obsessed with the house, the granddad's house. And this is a real fucking 30s shit when they walk in for the first time I was like Jesus their kitchen is huge <laughs> <laughs> the kitchen's huge you know it's got all this space and I was like oh and again God. I think that house <laughs> is probably not supposed to be a nice house no or house. no it's supposed to be a janky weird beachside old yeah. man's house it's supposed to be their downgrade from like their family home which was in phoenix it's like now we have to live here with grandpa oh cry me a fucking river diamond <laughs> you know? i'm so sorry that you're aga like fuck off you know um so it's fantastic you know and the the guy the, so the biker gang thing is interesting the lads the boys you know because- the gang dynamic is, yeah yeah and the the sort of okay so the lost boys the title apparently it comes from the peter pan um it's a Peter Pan reference, apparently, yeah. um, about the boys that never grew up. And I suppose it's perfect for vampires. You know, they never grow old, they never die. Um, but also the idea of that transition from adolescence to manhood, that transition from your group of guys or girls, as the case may be, into the norm of like being in a couple or marriage or things like that. I think they're really central here. It's like, do you want to just like stay part of the gang or do you want to like cross that, cross that border into adulthood? And, you know, I think it's something that's very relevant today because um, I still feel very young. um, And I think our, all of us, you know, know that experience of extending our, if not our adolescence, our youth um, longer and longer. Like, you know, I didn't get married till I was 40. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I didn't get married till I was 40. You know, I had my first child when I was 37. It's, um, you know, it's all about sort of, and I I really very deliberately um, didn't do those things until quite late in life. And I was very lucky to still be able to do those things very late in life. And I had kind of resigned myself to not doing any of those things because I thought that it was too late for me um there I was on the no shelf yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but at the same time um I was kind of okay with that um because we have this ability to sort of live our lives quite enjoyably like you know I had a job so I had disposable income I didn't own any property because that's ridiculous and um I so so you know I, I paid my rent and I had disposable income and I went out with a lot of friends who were in the same situation as me I had a gang yeah. you know me and the lads we went out and I suppose the problem is then is when when your gang starts to fragment when everyone starts to pair off and um get married or have kids or whatever it is they're doing that takes them away from the gang and then you're sort of left in a position of oh like you know do I want to cross that threshold into adulthood at the age yeah. of 40? <laughs> yeah, I think that happens. At di- I think that happens at different staggered times as well. You know, you're dead mm-hmm. right. And I think in some regards, like 
speaking as a like I don't mean Carrie got married like when we were children you were very young yeah we were like children like Like you're still younger than most people are when they get married right yeah yeah married married for years nine years and um we've been together for 12 this month so uh just mad behavior but you know great choices in the long run but totally mad are you two actually vampires yes that was what I was about to say sorry (laughs) I've been like silently feeding off of my cat just like (laughs) there um can can of diet like a plus o minus whatever blood but um what I was going to say is that like I've watched it happen in this sort of stack like I'm a very like a social kind of social butterfly I've had groups that I've moved through throughout my life and you do watch it you watch these really tight bands of people dissolve due to life circumstances changes people pair up people move away people begin families you know you can't start a life at the exact same time as everyone around you that's not how things Mm. work but equally on the having a sort of a social permission to remain young longer if you know what I mean like not in the vampiric sense I mean in a like we genuinely do have lives that permit us a longer freedom than maybe our mothers and grandmothers might have um I think that that arrested development situation is it's, it's a little bit economic as well you know, it's it's well a as, little bit economic, a little bit like because it is I think it's a lot freedoms. economic, isn't it? it? Yeah, because there's social freedoms that women are permitted that we literally were not until the 90s. But there's also like, like you're saying, <laughs> imagine affording a house. Hilarious. You know, yeah. things like that are are very real and they keep you they keep you trapped in a younger mode of being. Exactly. Than you even want to be. And, and they sort of like I know this sounds ridiculous as well, but it, because rents are the way they are now. But like um, back, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago when I was renting, you know, you'd share a house with other people. Yeah. So your rent was less. So, you know, it's like I have enough disposable income to have a good time but I don't have enough disposable income to you know say for a mortgage so the good time better keep, the the good, so the good time has to keep going oh no the good time simply must keep going guess you know? which one I chose hey <laughs> you know so yeah there is there is something about that about that pack thing and choosing a pack or mm. being chosen by a pack and how good that feels and you can see that that feels good for Michael having moved to a new town completely and it's so definitive of adolescence as well mm. where we try to find our tribes so, you know we start, yeah. I, I drifted away from my childhood friends when I was about 14 15 because our interests started to diverge, diverge. like yeah. I, I got really into music I'm really into like non-mainstream music and really into literature and they were actually getting into things that I wasn't interested in like um and we we just we diverged and then I remember like finding a new tribe essentially because it was like well these people get me these people understand me and um and yeah it feels good to find your people and to be part of um a group that are into the things that you're into and I suppose that's um definitely something that's referenced in this movie as well yeah, because it's from and both of the boys find that in some way they find a new set of roots in this new town and unfortunately one set of roots is made of poison and the other is just the two sweet little frog brothers trying to save the day you know like um I think that that's really a dilemma and a, I think what happens with Michael because he wants so badly to belong to this gang of guys that like he obviously puts himself in tremendous danger and th- that's yeah. where the vampire metaphor thing comes in really neatly again that vampires feed and they they take you know and in exchange they have hedonism and immortality but they don't 
but what else, you know, but what else do you get? Do you know? I'm glad you brought that up as well, because I think the, the lure and the allure of danger when you're a, a teenager is, um, is very strong. And I, I'm sure there's, there's something in that reference um, in the film that like that is referencing that experience of particularly young, young men. I think obviously, you know, we all know how much people worry about young men, you know, in terms of getting into fights and um, being like in dangerous, just dangerous situations. Like hanging off of train tracks, for instance. Hanging off of train tracks. Like, like I'm sure that was shocking then, but I've seen videos of actual like Russian teenagers doing that off cranes now. Yeah. And it's, it's terrifying every single time. I would never do it. But like, that's actual behavior. They're not, that's not just vampire behavior. It's just terrifying. I'm Johnny Knoxville. Man welcome behavior. to Jackass. Boys yeah. like hurting each other. <laughs> and there's, and then like there's the peer pressure thing. And, <laughs> and you know, the fact that, you know, that scene that you're talking about in The Lost Boys where they're all hanging off um, underneath oh, train, train tracks. tracks. And, yeah. um, you know, it's like Ireland's fittest family. <laughs> they're like, just hold on. Anything but, for the adrenaline, you know. And like, the adrenaline, but also the fact that they're trying to out um, last each other, except Michael doesn't know that he's like fighting against a vampire who's got immense power and strength. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I think that danger because life is kind of boring as a teenager, you're always looking for adventure and you don't really have any life experiences yet in the way that you want to. So you're like, oh, I'd, I'd love to go to a giant amusement park. Or I'd love to go to a, a, a ruined hotel buried underneath a cave that fell there from a, an earthquake in 1906. Like all these things are just like you're just desperate and thirsty for experience. And like you will kind of override your fear of danger of getting hurt because you don't really have understanding of your mortality but also you're like desperate for a bit of fun and adventure so and a story to tell you're trying to accrue stories like the house, I talk a little every so often I mentioned the fact that the housing estate that I grew up in had like 40 kids my age and the in the year above and below so we were like not quite wore the buttons but not far off it and as everyone got a bit older everyone got slightly more feral it feels to me <laughs> And like on Halloween, I remember one year in particular, the lads, um, <laughs> the lads amorphous, were there 20 of them? Were there 40 of them? I don't know how many of them there were. You know, they're my friends, boyfriends, etc. They take they took turns running through the bonfire. Yeah, that and sounds I was, like I standard. I there kind of <laughs> holding my fucking Bacardi breezer, you know, shivering in the cold, watching these teenage boys running through the fire and being like, I guess this is probably the first time I've yeah. told that story, but also I'm like, I suppose this is what being a teenager is. I suppose this it's is- like the boredom just leads you to find um, mm-hmm. the most dangerous things. Insane behavior, absolutely demented behavior. On our estate, there was a group of lads who formed a website called jackars.net ah, like and they would film themselves, throwing oh themselves down the stairs and hitting themselves with stuff just for something to do. Oh God. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. that I grew up before uh, smartphones and <laughs> the ability to film anything. I feel mm. like I got away with that by about a year and a half. I was just like right under the gate, just <laughs> absolutely made it out of that alive. Thank God. But the so it, what they cover in that world that they have as vampires like they don't really do a lot like i mean star is your sort of your one girl in that world yeah but it's not really about her she's sort oh, of it's not about around. her at all and actually i find her kind of an irritating boring presence in the film yeah it's such a waste unfortunately <laughs> yeah, yeah it's such a waste like she's yeah. there as this kind of like mm, she's 
she's doesn't really, she doesn't really have any agency of her own. She's there. No. She's being sort of she's available for protection of the gang because she's a female with a little boy in her care. And then also she's like supposed to be this really good person, like trying to warn Michael. You're drinking blood, Michael. Mm. Don't drink it, you know. And she's trying to protect him in that way. So it's kind of it's a it's a boring female trope, in my opinion. It's like she's yeah. she's a good she's a good female, and she's just there. And there's no other girls. Apparently, there was some sort of Lost Girls sequel mooted. I don't even know if it even got made. I would watch a The Lost Girls. I would watch a Lost Girls as yeah. well, and I would join their gang. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> A bunch, of, a bunch of insane teenage girls in leather jackets hanging out in an abandoned theme park off the coast of Santa Cruz. Absolutely. Absolutely. That actually just sounds like my teenage gang. If you move it to <laughs> Shank Hill slash oh, Hill. That's by the sea, you know, Shank Hill, more or less. You know? And we, we used to go out to Bray to the amusements oh, in Bray. Bray is the perfect location for a contemporary Irish lost girls. There you go. Copyright, 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 TM, TM, TM. Listen, it's it's already written. It's written itself, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Um, but yeah, I find her uh, like a bit dull for that reason. Um, nothing to do with the actor or the performance or anything like that. It's just, it's a poor enough um, script for the, the female character. But, you know, that's not what this film's about. It's no, about... it's about the boys. Yeah, it is. It's called The yeah. Lost Boys. You know, So that's yeah. fine. I don't have any problem with that. And I like the J.M. Barry link there as well, because the cave that they hang out with in and like a lot of the aesthetic choices, particularly with the cave, is sort of a piratey kind of energy. Completely. To it. The bottle like, of blood the bottle, is yeah. like, that's Came directly Peter from Pan. a treasure chest. Right. Yeah. It's very, very Peter Pan with all of those like crossovers of the this sort of oceanic like tribe of, of young boys with nowhere to be and nothing to do who sort of fall out of reality and into mm. something else because nobody remembers them. And also there is a kind of, um, I, I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone who wants to watch it, but there is a kind of um, a point made about boys needing mothers yeah, um, or uh, needing that sort of maternal influence, which comes in kind of, um, out of left field it's not something that is uh, there throughout the film I don't think um, c- it sort of comes in as a point at the end but yeah, it's one of those last act kind of magic tricks you know yeah. where it's just like ta-da you know like it's not- yeah so like I thought that was kind of like it, it's interesting it's like well you know is the sort of maternal figure is she a moderating influence on this sort of male behavior and then I get into my a sort of angry uh, the persona where I'm like, well, why should a mother have to sort out <laughs> my these responsibility boys anyway? here? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. there's such a big difference between how Corey, um, Corey Haim, I can't think of the brother's name, so I'm just going to call him Corey Haim. He's Sam. still Sam, Sam, and Michael. Like, Michael is sort of over his his mother. Do you know, at one point, Diana yeah. Vice asks him, like, well, like, he does appear friends. to be the same age as his mother in the film. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you love that 80s casting, you know? Um, and uh, she asks him at one point, are we still friends? And he's like, sure, which is such a teenage answer. But little Sam is like actively seeking her out at work to be like, there are vampires and we're, we need help. And she's at work and she's like, Sam, I'll talk to you later. I'll deal with you later, oh. young man. You know, and his purity is sort of reinforced by his still attachment to his mother yeah whereas and she's Michael's, the person who goes to for help and she's the person who can fix everything even vampires even vampires with the mother's love a woman's touch mm-hmm. whereas michael kind of rejects that and mm-hmm. is on this corrupted path without her so i think you're right there's something i will use the capital p word 
problematic about that <laughs> in the storytelling for sure. Um, but it is a view espoused by uh, the head of a vampire clan. So exactly, obviously wrong. I think yeah. right from here on we can talk spoilers. We've done forty minutes without spoilers, so from Big now spoiler, on, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so I could have just said that then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're now officially in spoilers zone for anybody yeah, who hasn't yeah. seen it. Yeah. Uh, so Edward Herman is the head vampire, basically. They think they've killed the head vampire, which is David, and they haven't. Because cause... of Kiefer's amazing presence. They, yeah. Of course they thought he was assumed, a head vampire. Yeah. <laughs> so Too much charisma. Obviously a vampire. <laughs> Hair too good. He's a proto-spike for Buffy Watchers, I would say. Yeah. He's got a little blondie thing going on. It only occurred to me now that the vampire makeup in this film is the exact same as the Buffy vampire makeup. Yeah. Which is, oh, yeah. Which is not a standard vampire makeup. That Obviously, Buffy's directly pulling from Lost Boys when it comes oh, yeah, to makeup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the seat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was so cool. And if you think again, I think to put it in its context of like the the late 80s, the mid to late 80s, like it just must have seemed really cool at the time. Like, again, I didn't watch it till the 90s, but even then I thought it was really cool. And we were still still cool now. Yeah, isn't it still Still today? Yeah. Yeah, And it's it's still like they're still really like they've got a really sexy vibe and it's really kind of glamorous and stuff. Um, The first time we see them, they're on a carousel in the theme park and they kind of causing mayhem swarm on this girl who's on the merry-go-round. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this is I don't know what's happening here. (laughs) This is a lot. But also I'm Connie. This is great. I I, this is fine. You know, it's uh, it's intense, but it's good, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But Al, what were you going to say? Um, that it has the greatest last line of any film oh, I've ever yeah. seen, I think. Yeah, I, it's great. It kind oh, of reminded me of Some Like It Hot. <laughs> yes, yeah, You know, exactly. at the end of Some Like It Hot, yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's like, nobody's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Uh, it, go, it goes out on a wink, you know? It's yeah, <laughs> it is like, it's all, like the, the screen could like do like a Looney Tunes like circle close on that at the end, and it'd be perfectly in, in keeping with it. Basically, totally. uh, just to remind anybody if they have seen it, um, the day you say about a grandpa who drives through his house with a giant spike on his car and impales Edward Herman and then says, and I've brought it up, the exact <laughs> quote is, one thing about living in Santa Carla is I never could stomach, one thing in Santa, one thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach all the damn vampires, which is perfect. And then Everybody all, the, knew. Yeah. all the family, like Sam yeah. and Michael and his mom just kind of look at each other and they're like, what? He knew all yeah. along. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, and that's we it. We could have just told him this could have been so much easier. <laughs> but they were used too busy stepping out with Widow the Widow Madison. Widow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, who's busy with his lady friend. It's, you know? it, but it's interesting. Like, I, And again, I think that comes back to that sort of like adult kids thing as well. But um, but uh, like the, the humor is so it's so hammy. It's so schlocky. And I really like that Schumacher, I presume it was his idea, just went for that kind of like there's a duality here. Like, you know, it's there, there's parts of the film that are genuinely quite scary if you're mm. a teenager. And oh, there yeah. are parts of the film that are, you camp. know, there's stra- oh, camp. high camp. Yeah. I, I love that about it. And I just think it makes it such an enjoyable experience. And like all the moments of comedy are just like they're really enjoyable without sort of like taking away the danger or the or the horror of of what's going on as well. It's so interesting I, it's, how both yeah. those things can coexist, right? That mm. that lightness and that dark can yeah, are you don't kind see of, it so much anymore. Can, you don't. You, they can kind of comfortably sit side by side. We don't need any fucking origin story. I don't want to know the traumatic origins of fucking Kiefer Sutherland's character. I don't want to know where the vampires came from. I don't want like I don't want any seriousness. I don't want any Batman here, please. Yeah. 
Which is weird because Joel Schumacher did direct two Batmans afterwards. Yeah, but they were the good so, Batmans. Yeah. Were, were they not the good Batmans? They're regarded as the worst ones, but then they are quite they're good. The good ones. Then they're the good ones. <laughs> Batman Forever and Batman Robin, yeah. The yeah. best Batmans. <laughs> like, it is, it's, it's a yes, teen movie in the true sense of the world. Yes, like, yeah, it's a teen it's, movie. Yeah. It's a transitional movie from, like, because it has the Goonies childhood vibe, but it also yeah. is genuinely quite gory once people start dying. Yeah. The yeah. vampires die in incredibly gory ways with yeah yeah and also the fluids. vampire killers get yeah. like completely covered in gore as well which yeah. i really enjoy isn't there like a brown. burning somebody alive sequence isn't there this sort of like it's yeah. pretty fucking like someone gets very messy job, at yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's messy it's job. a very messy job but yeah it's it's funny like this this film i just when you scroll back through the little rolodex of your childhood influences i was thinking this my god yeah this really has stayed with me and like mm. also salem's lot which i would have read around the same time um i actually was so scared of that book like terrified and i think there's a kind of a blair witchy um thing about you know not being shown everything and like relying on your imagination like what's scarier than your own imagination yeah nothing. and so i remember like I used to get into a lot of trouble for leaving my light on because I used to read really late. And you know, my dad was like, just turn off your light when you finish reading and go to sleep. And of course, every night at around 2 a.m. I'd fall asleep with my light on. And leaving the light on in the 80s was a different thing. Okay. It, it was, was like, like it was by the minute for those. Lights, you know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it was like leaving the immersion on. It was a disaster. But anyway, I remember just being so afraid of turning off my light when I was reading that book that I once uh, the light switch was over by the door because, again, unlike American culture, I didn't have a bedside lamp. I had a light. <laughs> you had to walk across. I had to walk across the room in the dark. So instead of walking across the room, what I did was I took a ginormous like leap six feet across the floor to my bed. And of course, um, I got into even more trouble for doing that. <laughs> on the bed, on. in the middle of the night. <laughs> like in the bed. And would um, you say that like, but, like, so Salem, like that, this particular kind of horror, right? Because that's what both of these works are really between Salem Lot and Salem's Lot. And um, I, I actually think there is enormous Stephen King energy to The Lost Boys as well. Yeah, that bike, that Kids on Bikes thing goes back to it, like loads of stuff. It does. Um, but uh in terms of your own work, you know, like does is the work that you make today, especially like, I guess with the, some of the themes in Breaking Point, is it laced back to those those kinds of experiences of, of media? Um, I think like I was trying to think about this, you know, has this influenced me? Like, I don't know if this is specifically influenced my work, but I do think that I've always been influenced by anything that has a layer uh, beneath the layer that's presented I yeah. love um you know even when I was in school and I was writing stories I was always trying to write this sort of like things aren't as they seem yeah. um story and I think that is the thing that um I took from from this film if I took an influence from it and also from things like Salem Lot, Salem's Lot and and that idea that sometimes you're gonna have to kill the spider yourself. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes you're just on your own and you can shout to the adults about it or you can ask for help, but sometimes you're you're just gonna have to do that dirty job yourself. So um I feel like I've just outed myself as a spider killer, but I don't kill spiders. <laughs> I actually release trap- them into Galway, release I them do. into the wild. I, I I trap them under the glass and I use the coaster and I put them outside just so they can come back in again. And I don't know why I do it, but like I 
I do have the karmic uh, fear about killing spiders and I also know that they do a job and that's an important job. But anyway, that's getting off the point. Um, <laughs> do I do, yeah, yeah. I do yeah, feel yeah. like, yeah, I love that. I love that dark layer underneath an, a normal story. I love the yeah. uh, sort of what it, what you're seeing is not the full story. Um, and I've, I've always, all of my stories have always had a kind of a dark twist or a dark ending or um an ending that you don't expect I hope yeah and I think something seeing something like the when I I watched Lost Boys as well same as Alan for the first time this weekend and I can only imagine how absolutely transformative it would have been to see it as a 13 year old I like, definitely went down on that my BMX would, after watching it yeah how yeah. it would put a different view on the world into you and a different sense of mystery and a different sense of like it's it is definitely a teenager's film it's film yeah, like you know what I mean but and I don't know if like I'm not a teenager anymore obviously but I was thinking when I was watching this as well I was like you know do they make uh these kind of films um directly for for kids anymore like you know the way say Terminator 2 that was a film that really really influenced me um you know you had that guy is it Edward Furlong played mm. the the he was like a 14 year old guy and he was fighting the the Terminator, for God's sake. And again, it was that thing of like young people having to take on these huge adult responsibilities and just like sort stuff out. Um, I don't know. Do the do those films still happen or was that like was that just a, a concern of the 90s? I think that that gray area that was just that I don't watch adolescent films anymore. No, because I'm, I'm <laughs> I, th- I think that middle film is gone now. The I middle film is gone. Adult yeah. films yeah. are made for kids as well, like all the Marvel films. Everything. Everyone's aiming for the PG-13 rating. Yeah. So, so all those Marvel films are just so sexless and kind of sexless and spineless. Right, They've yeah. just got no grit in them. They're really freakishly smooth is how yeah. I, like, I just don't hard pass. Um, And then there's some for little kids. There's a very mm. weird neutered thing, I think, happening in cinema and ha- mainstream cinema and there has been for, for quite some time. Um, I watched, weirdly, a film that I thought would be kind of a young adult-ish film when I was in London. I was hungover. I was like, I want to watch Tron because the soundtrack is by Daft Punk mm-hmm. and it is objectively perfect as a piece of, as like a score, but I hadn't seen the film. I've been listening to the score for years, but, but I'd never seen the film. I got about 40 minutes into it. And I was just like, this is agonizing. This is so, for, for on theory, an amazing story about the sort of a parallel world. And like, um, and it has that 80s kind of edge to it. It should have, it should have, and it could have, but it was just... No, it was, it, 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 lacking it was, the the substance. It was very. It looked amazing, didn't it? It looks amazing. The music yeah. is incredible, but it was just explainy, 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 fighty, 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 and no storytelling. Mm. And I think that the, the films like The Lost Boys and those other films from that time, they're telling you a story and not showing you a story. There, there's a lot of skill in it, and they're not afraid to be frightening. Like nothing bad happened to any of us as teenagers because we watched those weird films. Yeah. And also there's sex in the Lost Boys. And I, I yeah. don't actually know. What, I don't know what the rating is, but like 
there is it, and it's not explicit sex no. obviously but mm. it's it's there as a thing that and he's you like know, wake, he wakes up beside her mm. and there's like you know there there's intimacy in it yeah there's a know? lot of eye contact where he's yeah. shirtless and stuff you know it, things are happening but like there's no I, I don't know I think we're in a different time in cinema and in storytelling I guess when I, yeah. I aesthetically the closest thing that came out recently that I can point to is fucking Stranger Things yeah. the first yeah. season of which is perfect kids on bikes again kids on bikes yeah. you know Stranger Things wish it could be the last voice but the first season again immaculate but it sort of fell off piece then later and kind of got mm-hmm. lost in its own irony mm-hmm. um but even that is kind of smooth yeah <laughs> and, and they're remaking that you're lost boys about what's that they're remaking lost boys no way they announced it in september yeah so there is a new one coming out oh so who's see. gonna make that uh oh yeah. someone i've never heard of and will it be Robert a film or a series it's a film i believe someone from it is in it i know that much one of the kids from it mm. oh I, had, I didn't recognize any of the names because I am nice crossover. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. Actually, even yeah. it is not like it's got no the contemporary it, no gravel in it, not like mm. it's smooth. And the it's original was so terrifying, like fucking ter- and it's meant to be fucking terrifying. <laughs> what you need you know, once adults stop smoking in films, or when when smoking in films start being seen as a sign as a bad character, that's when things went downhill. Yeah, you need just people casually smoking in films, and then it's okay. Yeah. And you know, you're for good trust people not to take things literally, please. Yeah, yeah. I think is is the crack, and I think with something like the Lost Boys, I think that for me it brought me to a kind of a state like it did because I hadn't seen it, but it did remind me of the important, frightening and complicated moments in cinema that I did get to see when I was that age. And I, you do feel them shift something about your worldview and your curiosity mm-hmm. and make you, they make you want to pay attention to this, to other things. And when I finally got, like, I always wanted to go to Santa Cruz because I loved the thrills when I was a teenager. Oh. Absolutely the uncoolest shit in the world. They also had a big no, hit about thrills. Corey like Haim. Yeah. Loved them. Loved <laughs> Whatever my... happened to Corey Haim? Corey Haim, yeah. there you go. So it was like, there's your triple, like, crossover but I remember getting to Santa Cruz and being so completely romanced by it as a place like Mm. so taken with it and it does feel like a place that like you could probably end up staying in forever mild Galway energy you know like that sort of like come and stay forever yes I absolutely will you know yes it's always this fun we're always always this fun I'll see you outside in Octons in 15 years you know you'll be right here like there's a that that sort of magic touch to the place and so watching this film again I don't know I think it's got a really powerful vibe and I know that's a very non-specific thing to say about something did you like did you feel like that about it all like what was your um, yeah, I loved it. I uh, it was. I'm so glad you both liked it. Where yeah. that saxophone guy meme came from. Never knew that, <laughs> where that came from. He's a thing. That's that was a whole. Just I've seen that gif of him trusting shirtless many times. There is a homoerotic boys. theory about oh, yeah. the film that yeah. Sam is gay. Um, oh. You know all the stuff about the closet in his bedroom. Mm. Uh, yeah. Apparently, that could be a reference to his sexuality. But I don't know. I like. It feels like a really, really sort of obvious metaphor to use, but that's fine too. But um, Joe Schumacher was gay, so it's not beyond the it might have, but might it, have put some, it might have just been some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Another bit of humor, another layer of humor. Um, and also, like, not to be really um, tropey about it, but his clothes are amazing. His clothes are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Clothes, like, but also, fabulous. all the vampires have like there's a lot of leather jackets. There's a lot of queer iconography in that manner. They're very, they're very close and touchy with each other. It's very, they're yeah, they're very sensual. Stuff, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so there is. Yeah, and they're all beautiful. 
yeah mm. they're all gorgeous they're all very close there's a lovely there's a lovely queer skin on it for sure mm. you mm. know like it is it is a very sensual film and i don't think watching it that you could i mean there again aside from the presence the mild presence of star i think there i think there is a a, a really solid queer read on this work mm. i think there is but mostly it's kind of it, it's just about boys so that runs that runs all of the ways yeah do you know and I, but uh, you know as a teenage girl I loved it so much and even yeah. watching it again this weekend I loved it um I think I think anybody who's ever been a teenager can probably relate definitely um, definitely so yeah. yeah there we go That's, uh, thank you so, yeah, much. Thank you so yeah. much please plug yourself tell us where we can find you Oh, sorry. Um, yes, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Edel Coffee. Very simple. I uh, have a Facebook page, but I have no idea what's going on there. And I don't know my address because I log into it like once every so often. Most of our listeners are, are from the, the wider Twitter and Instagram sphere as well. <laughs> I'm like Facebook. What? And currently at the time of recording, your like your, your first novel, your debut novel is the number one best-selling novel oh, in Ireland. No. An enormous congratulations. You love <sighs> to you. see it. Oh, Great stuff. Thank so you. we can, our listeners can buy that in all good bookstores. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's on Audible and it's um, on Kindle and or whatever your digital device may be. Um, so yeah, you can get it everywhere, essentially. So no excuses. No excuses. <laughs> no excuses. I was in Dublin Airport a few weeks ago and it was right there, right in front no. of me. And I was like, you love to see it. Yeah, and I heard cool. it's in Tesco's as well, which kind oh, of blows my mind. Brilliant. That's where you want to be, man. So That's where people pick up a book. It's great stuff. I'm Fantastic. delighted. So Sarah, where can we find you? Oh, sorry. Sarah, where can we find you? Uh, my house, Alan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> still, still in my house. Um, I'm on Twitter.com at Grifsky. I'm on Instagram at Sarah Grifsky. And I have a Patreon where I send zines out and there's more. I've been dormant during the winter, but it's beginning to pick up again because I'm doing a very exciting um, postal project this year. And if you'd like to keep an eye on that, I'm at Patreon.com forward slash zine club alan what about you uh, i'm alan underscore mcguire everywhere juvenalia is juvenalia underscore pod on twitter juvenalia pod on instagram we also have a juvenalia patreon where we oh do yeah bonus episodes where we talk about what we started and finished watching playing so much reading fun. in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. um we probably we're going to do one about computer game music quite soon i think i think it's probably time for us to delve into that a they bit. tend to be they're very cozy they're a lot of fun they're mm-hmm. the highlight of my month so you should come and uh be a Patreon subscriber. It's this vibe, but about Your current kindness. stuff generally. Yeah, 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 yeah. This vibe, but about current stuff mostly. Yeah. Uh, so. Thank you to Dean McDonald for our artwork. Thanks, Dean. Thank you to Tall Tales for having us. Go Thanks, listen to other Tall Tales podcasts. Berg. Thanks, guys. And yeah, thank you again. To thank Coffee. you so much, Adele. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks we'll see for you in two having weeks, me. Everybody. Bye. In two weeks.